G'day, I'm Scott Sanders from Reach Australia. Welcome to On Leadership. In these episodes of the Reach Australia podcast, I talk with Australian Christian leaders about what's shaping their leadership, what issues are they currently working through with their teams, and what are the regular practices that help them as a leader. In this episode, I talk with Al Stewart. Now, I've known Al Stewart for a very long time. I first met him through a mutual friend, and we started reading the Bible together uh, every couple of weeks in a cafe just down from where he was where he's working then as the uh, as the head of YouthWorks. Uh, he's been a, a mentor, a coach, uh, and now I'd call him a friend. Uh, and so it was it was a, a wonderful time having a chat with him about leadership and all that he's learned. Now you may be interested to know he's also married to Kathy. He's got four kids, uh, and he's also a grandfather as well. And he's packed all that in. And so I really had a great time chatting with him about leadership. You've pressed play on leadership with Al Stewart. Well, Al, welcome to On Leadership. It's great to talk with you today. My pleasure, Scott. Nice to be here. Now, I'm uh, interested. You, you grew up in Grafton, so northern New South Wales. What were family dinners like growing up for you? Oh, yeah, we'd have... Um, we ate dinner together regularly, uh, although it depends. Dad uh, dad worked shift work, so sometimes Dad wasn't there or Dad was at the pub. So Mum would heat up Dad's dinner and sometimes he'd eat late or not at all. Uh, Mum, Dad was Dad was often at work at the, at the jail and Mum was really the glue that held the uh, family together. Uh, but I had a happy childhood. I can't ever remember being hungry and I, you know... Uh, was always well fed and home was a safe place and yeah that was good and and the north coast man what a beautiful place to grow up now i've done a lot of family dinners uh with you and one of the things that always happens at family dinner with uh alan kathy is you open up the word of god uh what what are family dinners like for you know well like what were family dinners like for you when um you had the four kids running around yeah uh that was the the routine that we had at the end of at the end of a meal. Actually, usually if we're going to have dessert, I'd always have it between main course and dessert. We'd read the Bible because you won't get any dessert. Is always a pretty some pretty good leverage, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we would read a little part of the Bible and talk about it. Uh, when the kids were small, sometimes we'd get them to draw pictures of what we'd read. They would do that. Um, we still do it. Uh, the kids come up. It doesn't matter who's there. Um, we we open the Bible, read a part of it. If our kids are there, sometimes sometimes it's a thirty minute robust discussion about it. Uh, sometimes it's just grunting, uh, and then we ask who wants to pray or uh, things to pray about. Usually, I get the job because I'm the dad, uh, and then we pray, and then maybe we'll finish our meal. So they so, know it's a routine. It's good. So you're a, you're a big reader. You read you read the newspaper regularly. You're always reading a book. You're always learning from someone. Who are you, who are you currently learning from? Um, I'm, I haven't read a lot on on actual leadership lately. I mean, I can tell you the best books I've read about leadership, but uh, the last year I've read a, a mountain of stuff about the men's issue, men, masculinity, fatherhood, raising boys, raising girls, because I'm trying to write a book about what it means to be a Christian man. So I look over here, I've got, I think I've read 30 books. Uh, now, I... Had long service leave last year. I'm a slow reader, 
but I, I plod through, I take notes. Uh, yeah. So that's what I've, that's what I've been reading. Uh, the, uh, let me think what's the best. Steve Bidoff's books on the new manhood. He is a very good writer. Um, I, I don't know where he is in terms of the Christian faith, but he's a communicator. He's very good. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that's what I've been reading. And so what, what prompted you to write the book or start writing a book? There was a young guy at a, at a Presbyterian men's event in Chatswood about two years ago, asked me at a question time in this men's, little men's convention, what does it mean, to, what does it look like to be a man? And I didn't take the young bloke seriously. Mm. Uh, I kind of uh, fobbed it off with a cliche or two. And I thought later, this this kid doesn't actually know. He hasn't got role models. He hasn't had anyone sit down and work it out with him. So I begin this little book with an apology to him, whoever he was, and it's working through what does it look like to live as a Christian man? And then the Bible talks about us as in different relational roles as husbands, fathers, sons, brothers, workmates, etc. So that's... Uh, that's how I've written the book. It's it's being edited at the moment. Someone might even want to publish it one day. Who knows? <laughs> now, now that was where I first came across you. A mutual friend introduced me to you, and we started reading the Bible together over over many breakfasts. Uh, I, I've learnt loads from you, but you also strike me as someone who learns from people. Um, so, who who have been the uh, role models and the influences that? have uh, shaped you and your leadership? Yeah, um, quite enough. I've had the privilege of working with some very fine men over the years. Um, uh, Philip and Peter Jensen. Uh, let me, I'll tell you the guys and some of the key things I've learned from. Uh, from Philip Jensen, I think I've learned over 40 years the value of relationships, uh, long-term trust and a common mind. And uh, I mean, the other night I went and saw him and talked over two hard problems I've got with him at the moment. And that's his 40 years of friendship there. That, And I, he's built a long, long line of men who've invested in their lives. And um, that it's been great to see. I think from Peter Jensen, I learned the value of the, the calm, non-anxious presence and don't rush. Peter will take his time making decisions. That's uh, and that takes um, courage and also humility. Like I saw him as the Archbishop of Sydney and he just absolutely lived out, it's not about me. Uh, very impressive. Andrew Hurd's another guy. I, I think I work for Andrew at the moment. And what I see in Andrew is a discipline of thinking things through carefully. I, I'm Mr. Ready, Fire, Aim. Andrew... Andrew has this kind of iron discipline in the way that he thinks um, and also about where will this decision lead in a year, two years, 10 years, whereas I just want to fix it up for this afternoon. So trying to learn that from him. Uh, Peter Caldor, the CEO of uh, or managing director of City Bible Forum, I just learned persistence from Peter. Peter's the ultra marathon runner. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get discouraged, man. He... He works like it's a 100-kilometre race. Uh, amazing what he gets done. And the other man I had got to work with for 20 years was Tony Willis. 
And from Tony Willis, I just learned calm under pressure, or trying to learn calm under pressure. He is he is the man. Like he's the ultimate swan. If you like, um, a swan is serene and care, you know, calm on the surface and paddling madly underneath. But Tony's <laughs> always Tony's when Tony's in a room, things are calm. But just yeah. Now so, there's so, five. So as you reflect goals. on those, are, are they? You value their leadership for, for obviously their long-term presence in your life and their friendship, but it yeah. sounds as well as I, they're, they're different to you. They're complementary to you and how you lead. Uh, yes. Yes, they are. And so um, I, I, maybe that's why I've been able to work with them for so long that they bring strengths that I, when I look at that list, I don't know if I have any strengths, but they <laughs> they bring all the strengths that uh, I need. Yeah. <laughs> You just uh, just just follow and uh, yeah, ask just, questions every now and again. That's right. Well, yeah, what's going on here? Well, yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> now you've just taken on the role of uh, executive director or director of uh, the fellowship of independent evangelical churches. You've yes. been. Uh, I started. Direct- I started. I started the day after lockdown. So yep. uh, yeah, massive timing. Yep. But over over the last sort of forty five years, you've um, you've worked with a large large church planning network or a large church that had a network of churches. You worked for YouthWorks and been the CEO of, uh, a, you know, they had camps, they had resources, uh, they did scripture in schools. Then you pivoted to be a bishop uh, in, a, in a large region with loads of churches. Uh, and then you came out of that working again for the, the diocese in Sydney, trying to get church planning happening. Uh, and then for many many years and probably through all those years you've been preaching in the city telling people about jesus and now you find yourself uh heading up an independent evangelical uh church network of churches uh yeah yeah might be why i feel tired occasionally i guess (laughs) (laughs) so so what are you what are you currently focusing on with your new team well the the team uh, FIEC is around 40 churches uh, around the country um, and a great bunch of uh, pastors that are leading churches that are you know, hungry for mission and growing and most of them, it's, it's great, a great bunch of blokes. Uh, I am working particularly for a reporting to the executive group, which is about eight of those pastors. Andrew Hurd's the chairman. Uh, in terms of, I guess, that's reporting. In terms of my team... Uh, Dean Ingham is the uh, operations manager. D- Dean lives in Canberra, so so Dean and I kind of inherited one another. Uh, I, I took over this job from Dave McDonald, my good friend. I've known Macca for about thirty-five years. Uh, unfortunately, Macca's health uh, deteriorated, and he wasn't he not able to do the job. So. Uh, Actually, Mac was happy for me to step into the role, which is which is great. I'm very sorry that he's not not well, but Dean was Mac's close friend for a long time, and then they're, they're working together. So Dean has kind of inherited me now. Uh, so I think the big one of the big agendas I've had in the last couple of months was for Dean and myself to get to know each other, uh, strengths, weaknesses. Uh, how you know are we going to drive each other mad in particular areas that sort of thing? So I've literally told him, Dean, you need to be able to say to me, um, stop, no, I can't do that, uh, put the brakes on, 
because I, I get a bit excited and push ahead on things and someone, he needs to be able to just pull the handbrake on and say, wait, stop. Uh, he hasn't done it yet, <laughs> but I've, give, I've given him permission to do that. But I, as far as I can tell, we're working well together, but it's still trying to work out what are Dean's patterns of work, what's the best way to um, help him do his job, uh, what are his strengths compared to mine, etc. And do you do you relish sort of doing new things, starting new things, being involved in new things? Uh, yeah, that's. I don't know whether that's a strength or a weakness, but it's almost like once I've done something about three times, I'm bored with it. Yep. So I, um, yeah, I love new things, and I've got about six things at the moment on the run that I, I have no idea how to do them, but that's what I love. I, I will I will work that out or find someone who can or yeah. So that's a strength and a weakness. There's the um, the follow through, just the kind of plotting, making something work and settling it down. Uh, I'm not good at that. So uh, thinking about your leadership and uh, you as a leader, what, what are the things that you do regularly that benefit uh, your leadership? Do you mean me personally or yeah, in personally. a team? Yeah, personally. Me personally. Yeah. Uh, I think the right, the way to get things done is actually the right routines to work out your, uh, the patterns that make you efficient or most efficient in terms of work and then, and then to build those into routines. So for years I would uh, uh, go to bed early, get up early, very early, go and exercise for an hour, come back, shower, breakfast, bang, hit the desk, uh, hit the desk. Um, and, and, uh, and have a pattern during the week. Now that's that's gone out the window since it's locked down because I can't go and exercise. I've closed my gym, etc. But I've now worked out another routine where I get up very early, hit the desk, uh, work pretty much all day, and then exercise from kind of five p.m. That that sort of thing. Mm. And I can explain why, but but it's the routine, and then also dividing up your day uh, to be it for me. There's uh, if I'm going to read and think and write, it needs to be pretty much before lunchtime. Uh, in the afternoon, I, my brain's okay with dealing with people, but if I'm trying to do serious bookwork in the afternoon, forget it. Uh, so you work out your pattern in the time of day, that sort of thing. And then you also, uh, there be a few key people in the organisations uh, and networks that I'm part of that I'll be deliberate about keeping close to and keeping in touch with. Mm-hmm. So that's there. There's some of the some of the disciplines. Now you you you've always got an aphorism, a, a leadership aphorism. So I, I think when I uh, started working at Geneva Push, I think you must have quoted this to me every sort of second day. Uh, go with the goers, love everyone. Uh, yeah, aphorism is a very nice word for cliche, I guess. Uh, yeah, what I've <laughs> there's two for you. What I've what I've said to you a million times is this you you have a great ability to want to work with people and incorporate people and you get frustrated when people are small-minded and parochial um that's one of the things i love about you but what what jim ramsey taught me 30 years ago was this love everybody reject nobody and go with the goers you got to go with those who go with you and if people don't want to well Okay, love them, care for them, but maybe you can't drag them along. Just go with the ones, okay? Love everybody, 
reject no one and go with the goers, go with those who got the vision, etc. Um, that's one. But the one, the other one is, uh, and I got this from uh, the Contrarian's Guide to Leadership by Stephen B. Sample, S-A-M-P-L-E. Very, very interesting book. He says in leadership, you spend 5% of your time recruiting the right people and then 95% of your time working for them. Uh, so, I mean, in the kindness of God, I, yeah, I, we were able to invite you to head up Geneva Push and uh, that was about 10 years ago. Uh, You've done a great job for that, but I, with that, really have. Now, I don't know if you notice, though, I now work for you all the time, <laughs> right? So I spend 5% five, five of the time inviting you into that role, and now, like, you know, I, I do what you tell me. I'm a director, but, hey, now, what does that mean? Well, when people start working with you, you or working for you, it, it's your job to then open a door for them or follow something up or make a hard phone call or how... How do I help the people who work for me do their jobs and, and kind of put an umbrella, if you want cliche, put an umbrella over them or push a door open or tell someone to pull their head in or whatever. How do I make your, how do I, how do I help you do your job? That's, that's, I think that's one of the key things in leadership. Which takes, which takes a lot of humility to, to uh, hand over responsibility, hand over jobs. But I guess if you're the sort of person who, likes doing new things all the time, you can, you can hand over stuff and, and get on to the next new thing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe it's not humility. Maybe it's just... Uh... <laughs> no, Scott, I like to think of myself as a humble man with a lot to be humble about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that is true. And that is, if you, as you can hand things to people and let them grow into jobs, uh, often they'll do it better than you will. But it also means, okay, well, then you're you're free to go and work on the next thing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So in terms of, in terms of thinking about all those, those various roles that you, that you've had, have there been, has there been a time where you haven't been able to keep that regular routine or, or have you, you know, have you always stuck to this, you know, this, this routine and this process? Um. Oh, look, I think when I, when I started one of the jobs uh, there, um, I was putting in like 12-hour days or more, hmm. um, leaving home at 7 a.m., getting home at 7 p.m., exhausted, etc. Um, I mean, there's a time where Cathy said, you better get your hours under control or I want a separation, um, which really got my attention. So that was where I had, time had got out of control. Um, and part of the in in Christian ministry work, there's no obvious line between your life and your ministry work. Hmm. You know, and and so you know the the people that you're mates with and you're working with and you love your church and you're part of the community and where where is the line? And so you've got to sometimes you've got to be able to put up the firewall between kind of quality family time and what you're doing versus your ministry. Somewhere you've got to be able to draw those. There needs to be a line. And uh, that was one time where I, the lines had disappeared. The, the job had just taken over my entire life. So you've got to be able to put like a firewall, if you like, and there'll be things that you're worried about and, and people, and but you need the firewall so that on the other side of that, you're actually physically and 
mentally and emotionally present with your family. As Kathy said to me sometimes, you're not here. And I say, yes, I am. Look and touch me. She said, no, no, you're somewhere else mentally. So it's that, that firewall thing that you that you need, um, which I'm I'm learning. Learning. It's 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 helpful to hear that you're still learning that at uh, sixty something uh, years of age. I only only sixty one. Only it's very <laughs> early sixties. <laughs> now you speak. Uh, yeah, you speak about Kathy in many ways. You you two are a team and a partnership, and again, you know your her strengths are your weaknesses and, and vice versa. There's there's great complementarity in how you minister together. Yeah, what, actually, what is, yeah. What does leadership look like um, in your home? Um, yeah, it could. I, I I'm married to a in the kindness of God. I'm married to a very very capable lady. Uh, she's a brilliant cook manager. Uh, administrator, uh, etc. Um, at the moment, uh, Kathy's mum is living with us, and that's that's a lot of work for Kathy. So, what am I trying to do? Well, in the short term, it's trying to be more useful around the house. You know, do the washing, um, empty the dishwasher, kind of just just lift a bit of the housework load, um, and but try and keep an eye on how she's coping. With the whole the whole thing, you know, we want her mum here. She wants her mum here. But just how do we manage that? But I think one of the things that I I do that Kathy doesn't is I I look six months a year, two years ahead in terms of family life. So I I'll think about okay, what are we going to do to pull our? We've got four grown kids. They've all left home. Three of them are married. What are we going to do to pull our family together? at regular intervals so we keep the family uh, uh, corporately thinking of each other together. So we just book a house at, at Mollymook each uh, January and, and the kids are now used to, they, they turn up for some part of that week. It's free, it's at the beach and mum's a great cook. Well, you know, that's the right bait. Who, so, who doesn't want to come? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'll, so I'll think of that and we'll do that 12 months in advance. Um, you know, our kids need somewhere to live, and so I'm, I'll, I'll look, a, think a year or two. How do we help them with their finances to be able to get into a mortgage, or can we buy a property with them, or that that sort of thing? So I'll, um, I'll, I'll probably think longer term uh, than Kathy will, but Kathy's a brilliant budgeter manager. Uh, she keeps track of a thousand details that I can't. Yep. Yeah. 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 So thinking back uh, 40 years ago, what would, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? <laughs> um, well, the first thing I'd say is you better marry Kathy Wong. I'd say that, was, that would be a very good move. I got that one right. Um, I think patience. I, I, I've got, as I look back, I have got frustrated and left certain positions uh, too early and when I shouldn't have. Um, there's a there's a strength in having the testicular fortitude to walk away from something when you're not when it's not working or not the right thing, but I if I had my time over again I should have stayed longer in certain places, and been more patient, and so, you know, young men are often in a rush, and I know now as I talk to a lot of guys younger blokes in ministry often I'm saying just just be patient, all right. 
it'll be all right. You've got to give it a year or two or whatever. Just it'll be okay. You got forty years left. Just just be patient. It'll change or or etc. And so I think that's what I would say to twenty year old self. Just you know, just be patient, buddy. Um, it'll it'll happen. Great. Well, Al, it's been great talking with you. Appreciate your uh, honesty and uh, looking forward to to reading this book when it comes out. Yeah, well, we'll uh, it's with the editors. Um, we'll see. Thanks, Al. Good on you, Scotty. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to today, we'd love it if you'd uh, leave a review, share uh, or subscribe to this podcast in an ongoing way. If you want more information about Reach Australia, head to reachaustralia.com.au.